0: Mormon Discussions and its lineup of great podcasts is about helping Latter day Saints like you tackle deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping these podcasts alive and supporting listeners like you.
1: To support the programs on this podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber
0: or making a donation at Mormondiscussions.org. Again, that's Mormon Discussions, plural with an S on the end.org. Donate today and support programs like Mormon Discussion, Radio Free Mormon, Mormon Awakenings, the Mormon Wellness
1: Project, Mormon History Podcast, Marriage on a Tightrope, and others. If these programs benefit you and you want to see these continue, please consider making an annual donation starting today. All donations are tax-exempt inside the United States and go
0: towards keeping the podcast alive. Mormon Mormon Discussion
1: and and its lineup of great programs. programs,
0: helping you navigate Mormonism. One episode at a time. And now, onto what you've been waiting to hear. Oh, no. Troy and Sherry Marsh, welcome to Mormon Discussion. How are you guys this morning? Hey, we're great. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so for the listeners, just to give them maybe a little bit of background, so there's there's two Bill Reels. One is the Bill Reel on Facebook, and the other one is the Bill Reel on the podcast, and uh, there, there's reasons for that. I won't go into that here, but uh, Troy, you've been you've been a listener of the podcast. You've been uh, a follower of, of the things I write on Facebook, and And obviously, you see me on Facebook putting out posts and trying to encourage the LDS Church to acknowledge its messiness and to deal with it uh, head-on. And and in doing that, I put out posts that, that sometimes are, and often are, controversial or feel like maybe I'm poking the bear a little bit. And, and often you're coming on um, and, and leaving comments, which I appreciate, by the way. I want listeners to interact, and, and nobody has to agree with me. Generally, the only time I'll remove somebody is if they are um, personally attacking or uh, continually using bad language. Those are the kind of the two things that will get somebody kind of banned, and, and usually you'll get a warning first. But that's never been the case with you. What you've always done is come on and kindly, softly disagreed and offered more of an Eastern way of approaching Mormonism, but never really got into detail. So we wanted to have you on today and have your wife, Sherry, on with us and talk a little bit more about what that interaction looks like between you and me and what you're pointing to. And so I wondered if maybe the two of you would start us off just giving us a brief bio about yourselves, and then we'll jump into the conversation.
2: Sure. Um, Well, first off, Bill, I I highly respect... uh, your your scholarship and and I, I I read and listen a lot because of that. and uh, so i uh, I, I re- rarely ever disagree with uh, your content. Um, <laughs> but um sometimes the uh, the indication is 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 completely different than what i'm what I'm about. So um, just a brief uh, bio about uh, my my upbringing. i I do have Mormon pioneer ancestry. Um, let's see, my, uh, my wife was born in Omaha, Nebraska, winter quarters. And while well, my ancestors were there making hand carts and, uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, one of them that was there, uh, was called back from, uh, a, a ship on, on route to South Africa, uh, of all places, um, called by Brigham Young, uh, when the Mormon battalion became, uh, uh, They started their march. The 500 men left Winter Quarters. Uh, My ancestor came back and and was was actually uh, and prior to that, he was actually a bodyguard to uh, to the Prophet Joseph Smith, and uh, made his uh, residence out here with Porter Rockwell out here in Rush Valley, which is kind of where we are right now, Grantsville, Rush Valley. Um, So yeah, my roots go deep, and um, uh, you know it's uh, you know my My ancestors came from England, and uh, I'm holding in my hand an old Book of Mormon that they brought over. It looks like it's a sixth edition or something like that. And another book called uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, all in good shape, um, good condition. So, um, yeah, I I come from Mormon stock and um, I'm very... uh, Uh, when you say it's proud of my ancestry and and it's a lot of uh, deep feelings that go there so
0: sure sure Sherry just maybe tell us a little bit like so uh, my understanding is you're not a member of the church and I'm just curious besides the connection that Troy just mentioned um, is there any other connection to Mormonism and if not maybe just also share maybe a little bit about yourself
1: Um, yeah no real connection to Mormonism myself Um, I for the Past several decades before meeting Troy, I met Troy seven years ago, um, and my practice was in Buddhism and in yoga, um, and in in the spiritual practices that go along with that. And at the time, I found that fulfilling, um, although there was always something a little missing that kept me seeking, and. Um, when I met Troy just just right about seven years ago now um, something happened when I met him and felt e- even in his introduction which was in a group of people where he said Christ is my light and something happened in that moment um, that that just something opened up in me I would say that that then, set me on a little bit different course. Um, I kind of consider myself outside of any conventional religious labels, but more searching for that feeling that I felt when something grabbed a hold of me. When Troy said, Christ is my light, something grabbed a hold of me. And um, my my path now, and it's a path that I share with Troy, is really about... Um, seeking and pointing to that, whether you call it the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, different cultures, call it different things, but it's that personal experience of something that is not quiet, but is on fire and awake and a real personal connection with the divine that goes beyond whatever kind of language you can even really use to describe it.
0: And I'll and I'll just say you're hitting on something that, as we go through this conversation, and I'm going to ask you guys questions. Sure. Um, as we go through the conversation, I also hope the listener doesn't mind us getting into a little bit of Eastern thought. Um, I, I will say that, Sherry, when you say like I don't like people call it by nif- for different names, and I don't know what kind of words to put it in. I, I sometimes think that the closer we get to the truth, the less ability we have to name it. Amen. Um, right. Say it, Say and, it right and, and, there. Exactly. And so, as you point to, like, I can't really, I can't really describe it. It's called lots of things. I think that approaches the truth closer than those who claim to know the very center of it. Um, and, and I'm stammering not because I'm having trouble framing my own words, but because I'm trying to put these in words that the listener can understand. If the listener, most of the listeners are going to be progressive or ex-Mormon. And the listeners may be, to some extent, familiar with voices like Richard Rohr, uh, John Shelby mm-hmm. Spong. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. I'm picking out liberal Christian voices, Rob Bell, um, Jordan Peterson. And those guys are all very different. They're they're extremely different. If you were to get them in a room and say, what do you think about this topic, this topic, they're all going to have different answers. But in some ways, each of them recognizes that the truth is unspeakable it's undefinable, and the closest they can get to is to tiptoe around the edges of it. And my wife and I were out to dinner uh, a few weeks ago, and we're, we're eating, and we were listening to Jordan Peterson, a clip of his, and we were remarking how these things can't be said. They, they're just not definable, and so all we can do, and it's the closest we get to the truth is, as I said, to walk around the edges of it, pointing at it trying to um, describe it without really defining it and then allowing people to kind of figure it out on their own, which is, I think, a much more Eastern way than, than the Western philosophy of there's answers to the questions and we can, we can have certainty and we can uh, define every term and every label. We have an answer to anything that's asked. Uh, it, I think the Eastern way is a much more ambiguous, but I think it's also... Uh, more real, and and so with that, I want to ask you, uh, Troy. I want to. So you're a Mormon. You've got the Mormon heritage. I'm assuming at some point you grew up in uh, some level of orthodoxy and perhaps held some level of orthodoxy yourself. And yet, when Sherry says that she met you, um, you already were using different language. Can you maybe walk the listener through how you moved from orthodoxy, or at least being around it? To taking on more of an Eastern thought,
2: yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a great question. Um, I I think it was around 1999. I mean, I let's go back to my mission. I, I served in South Africa. I actually uh, went to Johannesburg and served there in 1984, 1985 during the time of apartheid, and um, fell in love with the people there. Fell in love with Africa. Um, I had. Wonderful experiences uh, with with teaching the gospel. Um, I felt a, a, f- a felt relationship with 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 Jesus Christ. That never left me. Um, I came home um, from my mission uh, just longing to go back. I mean, I remember a prayer one night and just tearful prayer. just Lord send me back. Um, and uh, you know I got married, had 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 three beautiful children. Uh, married in the temple um, and did everything that a true blue mormon would do and um, and one one day um, i i was just feeling like i was stuck like i was on a spiritual plateau and uh, maybe you remember the the talk given by president kimball where where he said that we're we've been on plateaus long enough and and that just kind of rang in my mind and i I literally felt like I was on a spiritual plateau where I couldn't uh, move off or, 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 or rise higher. Um, believe it or not, this was the this was right in the early onset of the internet. So anything that I could read was uh, was through books <laughs> usually, and um, so I uh, I literally uh, prayed for a rope. Um, and literally, I that that was what I asked for. I said, "Lord, please send me a rope, a metaphorical rope uh, to get up, get me off this spiritual plateau." And um, interestingly, things started happening to me after that. Um, it felt like my heart started to open up uh, more. Um, there was just more joy. Uh, things became really and. and you, you almost have to learn a whole new language in order to understand things. And Like, like you were saying, um, I did turn to Eastern thought. I, did turn, I, I didn't know what I was feeling. Um, it was so strong and so intense that, um, yeah, I, I wanted to know what this essence was that was literally causing my body to tremble and quake literally any time that my feelings would intensify uh, either the love of God or the love of my family um, music played a big role in that where where the music would would, would touch my heart and uh, the emotions would intensify and I literally would start to tremble and um, kind of reminded me of uh, you know, Lehi. Uh, in, in if you read the first chapter of the Book of Mormon, um, he saw a vision, and because of the things which he saw, he did quake and and shake exceedingly. Um, I had no idea what I was what was happening to me. I I I didn't necessarily seek it, other than asking uh, a humble prayer for God's help, and uh, literally a book fell into my hands Uh, a friend insisted that I that I read it and the book that I I read was was by by a man named uh, Bradford Keeney um and uh, the book was called Bushman Shaman about the Kalahari Bushman in Africa in Namibia and Botswana and when I started to read that um wow um the trembling started again, and um, believe it or not, in the in the book they talked about a rope to God, and that rope is the divine connection that they use in in their whole community for healing and for um, you know it, it's like their church. They 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 come together once a once a week for dancing and singing. And um, the strong doctors, the the shamans there would, uh, would have this relationship, um, in the form of a song, which would excite and arouse their feelings, which would then transport them into a, uh, not a trance-like state, but a, an excited, um, ecstatic state that's that's exquisite and and full of joy. And I, as I read these. These experiences that that Bradford Kinney was going through with, as an anthropologist and and a, a shaman himself, um, I I knew that my prayer had been answered, and um, you know I didn't just walk away from Mormonism. Far from it. I I actually went with new eyes and and a new heart and. Um, uh, yeah, it, I haven't looked back. It, I, it, it's like I tasted something that was so sweet um, that every day since then I've 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 longed for it. I've hunted it, and I hope this makes sense to your to your listeners. But uh, you know, it's 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 funny when the bushmen, uh, you know, the bushmen do not talk about um, their beliefs. Uh, <laughs> beliefs are not important mm-hmm. what they do talk about is usually something they, 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 they do a lot of absurdity they, they they keep everybody at the same level if someone is if someone brings home a, an elant from a hunt and, and they're proud of it um, the others will tease them and say you know something like uh oh, What'd you do? Find that at a dead animal or, you know, something to, to kind of keep them on a, on a level playing field. Um, and so they don't talk about it. They just it, it's it's their way of life and their way of following. I mean, God literally directs them to hunt. It, they that's why they're great trackers. They will follow these these feelings and, and um they might feel a tug on their shoulder uh, and know that there's a an elant uh, ready to hunt, um or the doctors might dream a dream at night and 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 hear a song. And that song is then sung and taught to the community as a way to bring everyone together and bring the gifts of heaven down. And um, anyway, that's uh, there's a there's a lot between those uh, those stories uh, that that happened to me, but um, to answer your question, um, I did delve into some Eastern medicine and, and and that, but it was it was mostly this this big love, um, brought forth by the Bushmen, that literally hooked me in the heart, and I I, I just never let go, um, so. Yeah, I, I, we became students of, of Brad and Hillary Keeney, and, and uh, we've never looked back. It's just been it been. He's actually made me a better. I would consider myself a better Mormon because with a with that heart that's opened, I I, I, I believe I have better discernment now than I did before, and um, there's it's more of an inclusive. Uh, relationship with everybody, rather than exclusive, and so um, a lot of my friends uh, today, I have sweet relationships with, with uh, you know my my fellow Latter Day Saints, but a lot of my friends uh, are are out of the church. Some have left, some have never came in. But um, I don't know. I just associate more um, with the, with people who have open hearts and not necessarily those who are walking around with blinders on. So anyway,
0: <laughs> no, no, that's, that, those, long, that's all beautiful. Long, uh,
2: answer to your question. No, no, no,
0: that's good. And it leads to some things. So wh- what you're pointing to, I think is beautiful, which to me hits on something. And that something is that when a religious or spiritual, because I think those words mean something different, but when a spiritual community stops short of defining God and defining how exactly God works You've created um, a space where everyone in that community can feel encouraged to kind of feel it out themselves, right? And in Mormonism, we're very rigid, very dogmatic. We've got answers to every question. We even know if, if playing playing cards are okay to do, right, in God's eyes. Like, we, we've we defined everything. Is it okay to go to the circus? Is it okay to to um, be hypnotized? Like, we've got answers for everything. And we've left no space. And, and I think intentionally, in terms of leadership wanting to maintain a level of authority, but we've reduced completely the ability of the member to kind of find their own way within Mormonism. And yet you've done that. And so I want to get to that in a moment, but I want to ask Sherry a question in relationship to that. So, Sherry, you, you've met this man, Troy, he's a Mormon who is using, again, different language, and as time has gone on, he's uh, adopted some deep Eastern thinking into his practice. And yet here he is, he's in Mormonism, which is this, if, if, there's a, if there's a religious framework in which Eastern perspective is not really fully welcomed, Mormonism has to be on the short list of those that would distance itself deeply from that. And it's rigid, it's dogmatic, it's got answers for everything, its history is messy, Um, it it tends to say out of one side of its mouth that it accepts truth from wherever it comes, and on the other hand, it shames anybody who finds truth outside of it. And so, my question to you is, um, was it bewildering to you? Was Was it strange to you that here's this man who's using Eastern practice who wants to stay or participate in a religious perspective that seems to at its core be the very opposite of that. Does that make sense?
1: Um, kind of sorta I'll do my best to answer and, and you can redirect me if you want. I mean, um, certainly when I, um, met Troy, um, I, Realized quickly he was an unconventional Mormon. Um, I realized that there were a lot of things, even though in in one way you could say we were on completely divergent paths, but in another way it it became clear, like we have more in common in our spiritual paths than anyone might imagine. Um no, when I met him, I was living in another state, and it, it was it was not on my list of top ten things to do to marry a Mormon and move to Utah, and that was you know a little bit of a haha joke, and my friends kind of wondered if I was half crazy, um, I suppose. But what what happened um, again in my life was it, it was kind of like getting struck um, by lightning, maybe by a miniature lightning bolt, but. Um, and, and things started happening and awakening in me, including some really mysterious things that I hadn't experienced before that made it very clear to me, yeah, you're going to marry him and you're going to move to Utah, despite maybe what logic or common sense might have told me I was going to do with my life at that moment. Um, and so Troy, you know, his, uh, and Troy and I really are on. The same spiritual path where the primary indicator that that we use is a feeling of closeness to God and doing the things that build and develop that feeling that that can't, like we said, can't be put into words. Um, and when you were talking earlier about that, that you feel sometimes like you. There are no words to go there, and you're tiptoeing around the edge. Um, and I would say that the more you try to put words, the more you distance yourself from it. And so, Troy and I, our, our goal isn't to define the truth. It's to be in relation to spirit and to be in close relation to spirit and to be in a, a joyful, ecstatic relationship. Because when you get really close, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit the Bushmen, the Kalahari Bushmen would call it num. When When that spirit is on you, that's what transforms. That's mm-hmm. what heals. That's what turns sorrow back into joy. That's what rebuilds damaged relationships in the community. That's why the Bushmen come together and they dance. They sing and dance and clap. And that's what transforms them. And so Troy and I have that in common. The desire that that every day to have a close relationship with divinity that has nothing to do with understanding or defining or words really it's about the immediate felt sense of unity with the divine that has been um, experienced in cultures around the world and I'm sure it's been experienced in the Mormon culture. Um, as well as lots of other religions, but certainly myself and I think Troy too, we're not trying to put that experience inside a Mormon context. the The bigger context of connection to Spirit, love of the Creator, is is the primary context, and everything else is.
2: Yeah, and that I think we've we've talked a little bit about. Uh- the primary indicator, um, in creating our own spiritual reality, um, because, and I, I, I would refer also to, uh, the works of, uh, Gregory Bateson, one of the most brilliant minds in this century. Um, Bradford Keeney was a, was a student and, and actually learned more, um, than, than Gregory and he, he became a cyber a, a psychotherapist in family, um, family uh, therapy. Wrote books, um, wrote a book, a thesis called the Aesthetics of Change. And I um, highly recommend that to, to any of your listeners. It's an, it's an incredible um, dissertation on, on how circularity works instead of linearity. Um, you know, the Bushmen are circle people. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> and I include myself in that, because it's very difficult to become a circle person. Um, you, you, we we think linear, linearly, uh, cause and effect, but um, this circularity uh, is is extremely important in creating our our spirituality. And if we take truth as the primary indicator, um, then our and then and then turn to our mind. To, to help sort that out what happens is it starts to reindicate itself um, truth false good bad um, you know moral immoral uh, you know it, it, judgment non-judgment uh, so all these dualities um, start to play out into our lives and um, it literally becomes a ground a framework on which our choices become limited because our framework is limited. And what happened to me um, in that prayer and in in, in, in subsequent uh, experiences was um, this framework of love. Uh, the Bushmen call it the big love, um, and and it's different than Eastern thought. And yes, I have studied Eastern thought, but. Eastern thought and Buddhism, um, which which Sherry studied for so many years, um, is, is very self-oriented. Um, it's very, the mind can do this. It's uh, versus, versus a, a bigger expansion where where, like Jesus said, you have to lose yourself to find yourself. We have to get small in order to have a relationship with the bigger, vaster mystery. And um, once you tap into that, um, it's easy to fall back out. But once you tap into it, um, if it, we we call it God cooks you <laughs> in the heart, um, or shoots an arrow of love, just like Cupid, um, it it can those those arrows can get dirty. They can, but you have to clean them. So so that relationship with the divine experience um, isn't necessarily. Fostered by a lot of discussion or reading a lot of books or material, because it just—if you do that and you're trying to find truth through books—you're you're creating a, a a ground that sometimes is very difficult to unlearn. It's very difficult to come back and get on that that main line, um, straight narrow path, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's uh, but. But it's it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. Um, this this adventure we call life. Um, I, anyway, I wanna, yeah, I want to ask
0: yeah. you. No, ask you a question. So, um, listeners who are stuck in a Western way of thinking, or this, even the Bushman I- ideology, the 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 concepts that you're sharing from that, it's going to seem so foreign that. Listeners are going to be like, ah, that's just crazy stuff out there. I'd rather, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather stay in the data. I'd rather stay in the facts and hash out the history. And and so some listeners, and again, this is no offense to you because I understand exactly where you're coming from. Some of the listeners are already probably tuning out, like, ah, it's just a bunch of hullabaloo. And, and the reality is that, um, in fact, as you guys, as you guys were both speaking, I was thinking to myself about a spiritual experience I had um, about a year ago where I had this experience that it, that really just deeply for hours on end explained to me why our ancient ancestors created myth and ritual. And Sherry, as you pointed to, like there would have been grievances in the tribe. There would have been people hurt by each other. And these myths and rituals would have given us an opportunity to forgive and to connect to a bigger source and to be more unified. and, Anyway, I could go off for, we could have a a two-hour discussion just on that kind of a concept, but the listeners are so stuck in modern-day Mormonism isn't working, it's messy, help me sort it out, help me stay, help me go. And what you're pointing to, Troy, is like that whole debate almost seems useless to you. And you mentioned linear thought, which I think the listeners grasp but you mentioned that the Bushmen use more of this circular thinking. Could you maybe just, in layman's terms, kind of lay that out or, or give us an example or something so that people have something kind of, kind of to grab onto and say, like, here's what he's talking about?
2: Yeah. Um, it, it all boils down to how we use words and language. And if we put meaning to something we are laying down a track that goes horizontal where we might want to go vertical and i let, let me just say this i everyone in the entire world seeks something that sometimes is very difficult to grasp we seek it we don't know where to find it um, the spiritual engineering is there and it the the custodians of this of this knowledge um is was was found in in these ancient cultures uh, the bushmen who, who are 60,000 years old their their wisdom um has transformed many different cultures i mean you got the you got the african slave trade who, who came and 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 Began, you know, they, they the more or the the missionaries came and, and introduced them to uh, to Christianity, and what did they do? They brought they brought something else inside their religion. They got religion, and um, if you look at the sanctified African American churches, they worship in a completely different manner than, let's say, um, the, the the LDS people. Um, and I'll, I'll just uh, mention, if you, you you probably have these notes on your desk somewhere, but the minutes of a sacrament meeting 150 years ago are exactly the same as they are today. Okay, talk about stuck. In in order to change and act and get this, the spirit is in the changing, not the sameness. It's in the changing, and so. Things have to be changed up. Um, so just, do, just a note:
0: that's very yes. counter to Mormonism. Mormonism says God is the same today, yesterday, forever, tomorrow. <laughs> Mormonism says, like, here's yeah. the answer from 1820 and 1830 and 1850, and those answers can be depended on for the rest yeah. of eternity.
2: Yeah, and if we if we try to wrap our minds around that, um, yeah, we we get stuck. Um, who wants, who, who wants to be stuck? It's, it's better to sometimes go on a vacation and do something different. It's better sometimes to turn on music and dance. It's It's better sometimes in sacrament meeting to have a meeting where we're singing instead of talking. Um, I, I remember the first time that happened, um, I, I, a bishop stood up and said, hey, I want everybody to come up and, 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 and sing, share their favorite hymn and we'll sing the fa- first verse. Holy cow. The, the spirit in that meeting was, was so different than just primary talking and, and secondary singing or okay, rest. I want to
0: stop you again because, yeah. um, because I want to point out things that the listeners thinking about. So yes, I agree with you. When we do things differently, we create a space where people can all of a sudden say, Oh, there's some mystery. We, again, when you, when you don't say like every day, we have to do things this way and in this order, and people just have to kind of fall in line and do it. It's so much different when anything is possible. You don't know what we're going to do next. And so now people can start to wrap their heads around the mystery of, of just life in general, which is where this this thing is. But at the same time, Mormons have been trained mm-hmm. from their birth that we do things a certain way. There, yep. is, there is a proscribed manner in which we conduct our meetings, in which we say our prayers, including we fold our arms, we close mm-hmm. our eyes, we do it this way. And when you spell out everything for people, you have closed people off to even being open to doing it the way you're talking about. In other words, if when, you're, when that bishop stood up and said, okay, guys, we're going to have everybody come up and share their favorite hymn, and we're going to sing the first verse, half the people in that congregation said, I can't believe he's doing this. I, this I, this <laughs> bothers me. This is not how we do things. If the state president were here, he would condemn this. If a general authority were here, he would shoot this down. And and so what I'm pointing at, Troy, is that Mormonism at its heart doesn't welcome this ambiguity. It doesn't welcome this who knows what's going to happen next. Um, And, and, and so I'm going to, I'm going to, Deflect you for a you. Mo- I'm going a, I'm to a deflect you for a moment and take you somewhere else, which is why stay in a religion where you're pointing to the it and Mormonism at every turn is trying to persuade you not to go there. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. I've, I've, I've asked myself that question too. I, I, like I said, I, I have a love and relationship. I, I I've, of, of jesus christ and and when i go to church i i love i love the the saints i love my ward um my leaders it, it there's a warm fuzzy feeling um when i associate with others there and and we come together and and yeah i even last week in sacrament meeting i uh i told my former bishop this i i, I was so I had to hold back. I almost felt like shouting in church. <laughs> that's just that's that's the feeling coming we're up. You're not allowed to do that there. I know. So I, I I withheld that. I'm not we're not allowed to wiggle in church. You know, no, hold no. your arms and be still. No. That's that's what we call reverence. But but what happens when we're we're feeling so much joy that we just wanna I, I mean, sometimes we do it when we're eating dinner and we have some food and we look at that food and we go, oh, my gosh, look at this. And we wiggle a little bit and, and we enjoy the, 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 the meal, the taste of it and the sweetness of it. So, yeah, ch- changes. Let, let's go back to that change for a second. Notice what happened happened when President Monson died and President Nelson came on board. OK, there is a changing. There's a transition. What what happened? During that time, a lot of changes are being instituted and, and, and you could feel it ripple through the church. OK, um, so there is changing going on, but we're not taught that the spirit is coming alive in the changing. And, and, and that is a very, very difficult <coughs> space to be in when when we are dogmatic and. Um,
0: And the spirits in the uniformity that that's Mormonism. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So, uh, so I, I stay in because I, I love my, I love my people. (laughs) Um, and it's very difficult being in a world, um, with politics and everything else going on to, to get warmed up, um, spiritually. And, and so when I go to church, uh, I see the smiles and I, I see the love and I see the sincerity and, 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 and just the the faithfulness of, of a lot of the saints, and literally, when I go there, I I, I look for and and uh, to use a bushman metaphor, I hunt. No, oh, that's the that's the feeling or the Holy Holy Ghost. Um, what we'd call the Holy Ghost. Um, it might be in a prayer. It might be in a song. It it it's rarely in a talk. Rarely in a talk. But that's what we do primarily. Um, it's 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 often in primary. If you go into the primary and, you're, and they're singing songs, uh, the, the, that sweetness of "I am a child of God, He has sent me here," you know that that's sweet. And um, those are the kind of experiences that I come home and bring with me that that takes me through the the rest of the week. Um, now, granted, I do a lot other sharing. I do a lot of other things together, which which include uh, prayers and 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 song and music we, we use a lot of that and and we we do study a lot but it's we're very careful on what we study because if it if it's not pointing to that highest um, expanded context of big love um, we we tend to leave it alone
0: so you're probably not reading a ton of books from Deseret book <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see no actually, okay. currently, Good one.
2: Currently I'm reading uh Paul by uh by my brother Wright um uh, on the apostles so uh, but that's that's a non-LWS Is NT Wright author, but...
0: you're talking about? Who? Yeah. NT Wright? Yes, yes. Perfect. Yes. Um earlier uh, 10 minutes ago, maybe 7 minutes ago, you said I love Christ. Um mm. And and I don't I don't I don't anticipate you're going to answer the question directly. I'm I'm expecting you to do something different here. But I but the listener wants me to ask. So uh, when you say and I and I say that uh, because I want to ask. But you say that I love Christ. But does that mean that you have some level of faith or belief? And I know again I'm asking the wrong question. I get it. Do you have some level of faith or belief that Jesus's historicity is real—that Jesus rose on the third day—that that's a literal event that occurred in the timeline of history—or um, do you mean something else when you say that?
2: Hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 fun because our mind wants answers to read all about that, and believe me, I have. <laughs> um, but what I what I find the most in in a relationship with Jesus Christ is is the mystery, the mystery of the cross, the mystery of of, of what he went through, um, and the best way to answer that. Uh, and I'll I'll give a reference actually to um, to your your listeners, um, the spiritual autobiography of Joseph Hart. It's a it's a very short read, but he was he was. When, when was he born? In the sixteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds.
1: He lived in London in the seventeen hundreds. He was a minister.
2: Yeah, a minister in the seventeen hundreds, and and he he wrote literature to contradict religion and and but yet there was something that he noticed in the congregation. He he noticed a happiness. He noticed a joy. He noticed a, an excitement uh, of of religion and faith that he didn't have, and and so he, I mean, he knew the Bible in five different languages. He was he was an intellectual genius as far as language goes, and and so his autobiography is actually um, extremely spot on um, with uh, w- how he went through a, a, a crisis and how he had to actually learn to get small uh, small meaning humble um, available make you know surrender those kind of esoteric terms that are personal um, that uh, finally he he kind of heard a voice and he said the voice said you know are you going to be content with the 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 revelations and 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 the and the writings of, of this man of Jesus, or are you going to or will you be content with the mystery of the crucified man? Something of that phraseology. Um, and it just struck him. And he so to answer your question, I relationship with Jesus. Um, it, it, it is it is deeply personal and it's, it's it's something I feel not not something that I can. I can share. Oh yeah, Jesus was, uh, a man. you know, I, 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 all this literalism and, um, you know, all that is nice to believe, but it's 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 what gets me closer to Jesus Christ. Um, it could be our, you know, our primary song. I'm a child of God. Uh, it could be, uh, it could be a sanctified African American song, the old gospel song it could be uh, something the ex-slaves came up with you know it those songs that are so heartfelt that there's actually a trembling sometimes in the voice and that trembling that 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 is the um, that is the spirit coming forth uh, as a gift of song which literally um, mm. gives you that experience of closeness with divinity. And it, it may or may not come with visions or knowledge. That's not the important thing. The primary important thing is the feeling um, in the heart and the heart to rise. Um, the Bushman would say the the, the the mind has to see through the heart. The Eastern uh, philosophy would say the mind is gravity. It has to sink down into the heart. But the belly, the belly has to the belly has to rise. The loam. The, 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 the um, in the belly has to wake up and and warm up and rise to the heart so um it's it's kind of like you know heaven and earth coming together um, where we are the vehicle and and the main line the rope to God is literally shaking us it's exciting us it's and, and that relationship is not something in the future you are actually experiencing it now and that's why the dance and that's why um, trying to hunt this room, no, trying to get back into the heat of things is so critical because it literally cleans you up. It, it cleans you up. It keeps you healthy. Um, if you hang on to words and meaning um, and, and, and you, you're concerned about whether or not Adam had a navel, <laughs> you know, um, you're just you're just going off on paths that eventually are going to de- be dead ends.
0: And, and you said that, and I thought, yeah. yeah. The questions like, "Where's the Garden of Eden?" and you know, "Is it in Missouri?" <laughs> and right, <laughs> we get so lost in that stuff. Um, you yeah, said earlier we, we that hear, you we stood uh, lessons all the time. I just like right. shook
2: my head is like, folks.
0: <laughs> it's it's how people demonstrate in Mormonism that they're connected to God in the right way is by raising your hand and giving the answer that's always been given, right? It, it, it's, so, it's such a barrier to real spirituality. And um, you said earlier, like, I rarely find the it in the talks in the church. And it's because in the talks in the church, we're all standing up going, I know, I know the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. I know that Jesus has blue eyes. I know that you know and we lay out all the things that we know and and the reality is there once you've done that you've left no space for any mystery. Um, yeah, I and, want
1: to and, chime into what you're please. saying um, Amen, Bill. about about the mystery because I think it's true not just in Mormonism but almost all religion at some point even even religions that start with a, a very pure and true sacredly static connection with god they almost always eventually start trying to define that mystery and start trying to create rules that that don't it's not the same as having that originating experience and they try the more we try to define the mystery the further we get from it and so in you know in answering that question about you know, is do we believe Jesus is historically accurate or is the Bible historically accurate or is the church right on this point or that point? All of those like intellectual questions take me further away from the feeling of spiritual warmth, spiritual connection to the holy. And so I, I think Again, not just Mormonism, but most religions, Eastern and Western, um, at this point have, have kind of slid toward the refrigerator a little bit and not toward the spiritual fire um, from a set. And even even the New Age um, movement is very much about thinking, well, now we've learned now we humans, you know, we're meant to be on a certain path and have certain powers and healing abilities, and yada yada, and and some of that is really nothing more than self-inflation, and again, taking the mystery out of the mystery, where if if we adopt just the more humble position that the mystery of Jesus is really beyond anything we can ever know intellectually. The intellect isn't big enough to comprehend it. Our human intellect, It's just not. But we can have a relationship with divinity. We can have a relationship with that mystery, all of those mysteries of Jesus, of God. And it's that relationship that can become recursive and repeatable to be able to get on our knees in prayer or to sing a song of praise that uplifts our heart and uplifts the people around us that moves the energy that brings the healing and then the deeper feelings and the deeper connection that, you know, saints of all religions have, have stumbled into when they've been pierced by divinity.
0: Beautiful. Um, in fact, I've got, I want to say something back again about Mormonism and then I want to ask you, Sherry, about what your spiritual walk looks like. But as you said that, what it brings up in me is that um, we want to tell our and again, I'm going back to the listeners who are trying to uh, think through the ideas that the two of you are sharing while also trying to wrestle with this faith tradition that they've they've either have been in uh, and still are in or have been in and have been traumatized to the point where they've stepped away. And in Mormonism, our leaders say listen to us. And we have the answers. And the reality is, and again, this is offensive. I I know, like, again, I'm already in conversations with my local leadership who's getting word from higher up leadership that at some point I will no longer be um, counted as a member of my tribe by that leadership. So I want to be careful how I say this, but I also want to be matter of fact, which is when our leaders stand up and say, listen to us, we are the source of light, and here is what that light looks like, they, they not only are, are missing the mark in doing that, they're also being a barrier and blockade to the real thing. That when you say, look at me, I have all the solutions and trust anything I say and anything you think different than what I'm saying, that's not safe. It it not only um, isn't on the right track, it poisons the well. And um, it, it misses the inspiration, Sherry, that you're talking about. And I just want to make note of that. So now I want to ask you, because you're not Mormon and you're connected into this mystery in your own way, in your walk, which I think is important, by the way, everybody. I wish a thousand of us could stand up and say, I'm just doing this my way. And here's my way. And you can adopt part of my way. Or you can do it differently. You can do it completely differently. You can use parts and pieces. But Sherry, like as a non-Mormon, as we're having this conversation, what does your spiritual walk look like? Like What do you, what are the things that take up your day? And then when those things take up your day, what are the things that are um, on your mind as you're going through those spiritual practices?
1: Hmm. Um. Okay. First, I want to respond to the thing you just said. Even though I'm not a Mormon, I want to respond to the thing that you just said about the church leadership. Um, And I want to say something to people out there that are maybe struggling with their faith and should I be in this church or not in this church or that sort of thing. Make your primary distinction your relationship with God, not your relationship with the church and its leaders. And I, I agree with you that there's a sort of, Um, poisoning or getting off track that happens if the focus is on what is my relationship to the church. It's easy for me as a non-Mormon to say who cares because the church is not the same as your relationship to the divine and don't get the two confused. And I think in not just Mormonism, but in many churches, lots of things can happen that conflate those two things that make you feel like well if i'm not in a perfect aligned relationship with my church and all of the constructs of that church that maybe there's something wrong with my relationship with god or holy spirit and that's not necessarily the case and you've got to you've got to choose everybody's got to choose what they're going to put primary and if you if you put the church primary that's one path and if you put your relationship to god primary it's a different path. They might be parallel. They might not be parallel. That's for whatever. Who, who knows if that debate even needs to take place. But you've got to choose. Is your is your primary relationship and focus going to be God? Or is it going to be the construct of the church? That's my feeling. As a non-Mormon, of course, it's easy for me to say things like that. Um, but I haven't seen any, any church that I would choose to affiliate with the church over affiliating with my relationship with God, where um, it, it's, it's just completely different.
0: I hear that. And I want to give you a chance to talk about your spiritual walk, but I want to interrupt here for just a moment because this is, so again, representing the listener, um, like once they've taken back their own inner authority, again, in earlier stages of life, we depend deeply on the outer authorities of our tribe. Mm -hmm. And as we mature, as we spiritually grow, we begin to see that there are authorities inside our tribe that get things wrong. There are authorities outside of our tribe who get things right. And then at some point we just like take back our own inner authority. Like I'm just going to go with what my gut tells me to do in spite of all these various voices in the world. The, the trouble inside Mormonism, for instance, if I go to LDS.org right now, which is the church's website, on the very front page, there is a talk called, Do Not Leave the Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, when you read that talk, the entire talk is, Do Not Leave the Church. Huh. It, the church has conflated the two. And you you pointed to that, Sherry. Like, all religions tend to do that. Like, we are the path, and we are God. And our voice represents the mind and will of God. So and if you do anything outside of our path, you have distanced yourself from God. And Mormonism, I think more so than most religions, I think all religions have a level of unhealthiness. Some religions have some real deep unhealthiness, and I really think Mormonism is one of those. Um, Mormonism will, at every turn, conflate the two and shame anybody. I mean, we have no healthy stories in our religion of people who leave. Mm-hmm. Every story we tell of people mm-hmm. who walk away right. are mm-hmm. shameful stories. We don't make it possible for someone to, in their deep spiritual walk with God, to walk away from Mormonism and maintain their dignity with the relationships they had with people. And, and so I just want to make note of that because the listener is going to be feeling that right now, right. Uh, because I think you speak to a truth, mm-hmm. um, that, that you just have to take back your inner authority and you just have to do the spiritual walk your own way. And you have to stop letting these other voices, um, tell you what that walk should look like. But I'm simply saying for the listener, that man is that hard and it comes with pain And it comes with more trauma imposed by our religious system. And they are hurting from that happening. And they're begging our church to come up with healthy stories and to make safe space for people to do things their own way, even if that means they leave, um, but to still be connected to the divine. And again, every story that comes out of the church is if you leave the church, the church is God and you have left God. Um, so I just want to make note of that. Uh, so again, I'll turn the time back over to you. I, I do want to hear kind of what that spiritual walk looks like and how how as as a as a listener who's a Mormon who's still going to church every week, they I want them to hear like how different it can be done. And so I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well,
1: um, my life has changed radically in the last six or seven years. Um, meeting Troy. And moving, you know, leaving my previous life, my Buddhist group, my friends, and all, and moving to a new area happened at the same time I formed a connection with the spiritual teachers that Troy had been studying with, which is Brad and Hilary Keeney. Um, And so they have been spiritual mentors. And... I have taught things that really are only taught, it seems, on the planet now in the more indigenous cultures that haven't lost their collective connection with divinity. And so they've been able to share and teach a kind of spiritual engineering that makes it accessible for an individual person and especially a person if they have others um, around them to have a connection with the holy and a personal connection and so when I think of like leaving my past spiritual practices or leaving a church I would I would really encourage people you know the church doesn't need to define that for people you need to define that yourself but I met a lot of people here when I first moved to Utah who left the church and when they did they they sort of did leave God like they didn't keep an active spiritual life and so that's what I would encourage for people is you don't have to be an LDS church member to have a relationship with spirit and you don't have to be any church member although you might choose to be Um, so for me my Connection is, is more along the lines of what the Kalahari Bushmen are pointing to or what the Shakers um, down in St. Vincent in the islands. Um, their connection is through song. Um, I feel closer to God if I'm singing an old-time gospel song and I'm clapping and I'm moving my body. So there, there are ways of finding that union. This is it's it's again really hard to put into words. I'll just say our our teachers, the Kini's, have mentorships, and so we have spent a lot of times with them and with them in a in a small community where talk is not the primary thing, and determining a set of beliefs is not. A part of it at all. It's about what does it take? What have the saints done throughout history? I don't mean the LDS saints, I mean saints of all religions. What have they done that's actually brought them into the presence of God so that when they maybe don't have a church around them to tell them their direction? They're not just going by logic. They're not going by their mind or their beliefs. They're going because a rope to God is pulling them. Like it pulled me here to Utah despite my better judgment. And so my, you know, my spiritual life looks like singing and clapping and getting my body into a different rhythm than the same rut that maybe it's gets accustomed to
2: and we often do this together bill it's uh it, it actually creates a uh, th- there's a metaphor that the kenyan's use called the spiritual temperature and if you and, and, you know you look at a temperature and you get you got the freezing arctic or you have uh you know the heated temperatures that uh, that you can go back and forth the um, most most people um, don't know how to get heated, um, like like the indigenous cultures do or did. A lot of them are going by the wayside. But um, Brad Brad and Hillary Keeney know how to take an individual or or a group into the heat. And um, you know, if you, if let's go back since the since the listeners are mostly LDS or ex mormon you're. Your stake president, what? What if? Let's just consider for a minute. What if, instead of asking questions and trying to answer all those questions that we know there's no answers to, <laughs> we know we know what questions those are.
0: What if, or or at least not? There there aren't answers that reinforce the faithful literal view.
2: Right, right. They're, they're just not, and and they know that, and so, um. But what if? And you, and you use the word safe space, okay, or, or space. For understanding to take place and so forth. What if we we got rid of the words? And what if your stake president took you by the hand and you just and, and looked you in the eyes and and you both opened hearts, and you were both soft enough to be able to come together, and and just say, you know what? Let's just invite the spirit to be with us right here, and right right now. And and what if we just waited there? And what if we turned on maybe a, a little bit of fascinating rhythm? What if we were standing and maybe swaying a little bit? back and forth a little bit, back and forth. What if, what if that fascinating rhythm started to turn into a little bit of, of uh, song and and you, and you felt the, the, the fire in your belly start coming alive. Maybe your, your breathing starts to change. What if, what if that, that heat in the belly starts to come to the heart and all of a sudden the, the, the hardness of heart becomes soft. In other words, it, it requires a leader with a rope to God with the what what we call sacred vibration the holy spirit okay that when there is interaction usually a, a hands-on interaction um or or that is felt that is what's going to melt down the barriers that's what's going to feel uh, uh help others feel so included not excluded um i remember a, a, a a blessing given to me by my stake president when i was going through some hard times and um he laid his hands on me and and literally my body started to rock back and forth and and that's just how my body feels the spirit and uh it literally got me rocking i i almost apologized to him said sorry i i, I mean I, I can't help this and he goes ah oh, that's that's just somehow that's that's how some people uh manifest the spirit and um, I have no idea what he said in that blessing. The words were not important. What was important was that sacred vibration. The, um, and, and again, we, we, we call it the Holy Ghost, the, the priesthood blessing um, that comes through you. So that sacred space actually has to include an invitation for the spirit to come. And, and sometimes we just have to shut up and listen and and not get sidetracked into the um, the war on words or or definitions or 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 the limited frames of reference. These are so so small frames of reference in in relationship to the the bigger ineffable mysteries. Um, so yeah, um, so consider that. I mean, <laughs> the next time you're state president invites you in, and just hey, just. Just sitting quiet for a while and good and, luck. And, yeah, yeah right, right. I mean, those those things don't happen because it's it's not really taught. It might be taught on the pulpit, but but it's like okay, go home, pray, read your scriptures, fast, all that stuff. But but then we we go to church and we do the same thing. We talk. We, we'll have a prayer. We'll have a we'll have a hymn. We'll talk, and 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 I, I love the sacrament. That's a time when 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 you can think about those those things. Uh, That we think about during the sacrament meeting, but then we talk some more, and then we have a closing hymn, and then we then we go talk some more, and and it's and rarely is the spirit really churning or moving like like you would see in the. I mean, we 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 often go to the 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 Baptist church uh, in Salt Lake City. Pastor Brown can can shout a mean sermon, uh, an unbelievable sermon, and the and the choir is just electric. Um, We leave there sometimes just feeling so, so, so clean and vibrant. Um, It's just amazing to feel the difference. Um, And and let me let me just indicate also um, the recent 40th anniversary of the of the of the priesthood, uh, the blacks getting the priesthood. And what what happened there was was a special meeting. And what was primary there? I mean, if you were watching the Twitter feeds, it, it was going crazy. People were listening to the music and the and and the rhythms and the and the songs of these beautiful people singing their hearts out. Uh, I, I I saw the Twitter feed; people were going crazy. They were, oh my, I, I want more of this. <laughs> and we just don't get enough of it. We just don't.
0: Um, yeah, it's like it's like the. The truth of what we've been talking about today, it's like the people are trying to push it in, even as some of the leadership is a complete barrier to that. Now, So I want to talk to a couple things you spoke at, and I'll probably take up a few minutes here, because I want to speak to something that I think listeners need to hear. and, And you and I going forward, kind of in our relationship, I want you to understand me better as well. So I hope you can tell from the conversation that I'm I'm not as binary or deeply rooted in the Mormon debate as I lead on on Facebook. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense. I, yeah, I can feel that. Mm-hmm. So, but the trouble is I am fully ready A- and I've had experience in this mystery and the trouble with... Mormonism is that its leaders seem disconnected from even seeing this kind of conversation as worthwhile. So, the reason I'm pushing back on Facebook, or the reason I do podcast episodes where I say, like, you said this and this doesn't hold up, the reason it's important is because until a religious system can see that it's providing the answers actually does the opposite. In other words, it would be nice, like you said, if my stake president could do what you suggested. The trouble is that there's no space in this church for a member of the church to be measured where that measurement doesn't include the beliefs that one's brain have uh, ascended to. And the reality is, as you and I both know, those beliefs are just words and, and they change, and in fact, if it just isn't a way to measure someone's spirituality to say, like, do you believe the Garden of Eden was in Missouri? Do you believe that uh, <laughs> the earth is more than 6,000 years old? Do you believe that um, Jesus suffered for the sins of the world and rose on the third day, literally in the, along the timeline of the world's history? Those beliefs say nothing mm-hmm. of spirituality. And so the church doesn't have a space where a guy like Bill Reel can be validated by saying like, sorry, I don't believe any of that nonsense. Um, I'd rather swim in the mystery of this, which I'm happy to do. So so when the church offers that rigidity and then you see me on Facebook like coming back with the opposite rigidity, like that's BS. You said this and it doesn't (laughs) hold up. I'm not doing that because I'm stuck in this binary world where like, this is true, and this isn't, and this is true, and this isn't. It's because until this thing, and a, and this is going to come off offensive to anybody who's, who's orthodox, until this thing comes to its knees in humility and says like, yes, we don't have good answers, our answers don't hold up well, and we need to start letting our members enjoy some ambiguity in their spiritual path and encourage them to go find it. Until that happens, there's no space for it here. And people are spiritually dying. As your wife pointed out, Sherry, as you pointed out, people are walking away. They just throw God away. They throw spirituality away. They've been told that religion and spirituality are one and the same. And to walk away from one, you might as well walk away from the other. And so we have to create a healthier way. And the only way I know how. Is to push back in the same mindset that it understands, if that makes sense. So now I, I want to. Now, having said that, I want to say something else, which points to this. Um, I was involved in a uh, a meditation um, workshop where there was a shaman present, and this shaman had rituals. This shaman uh, sang songs, and having come from this western mormon paradigm what caught me off guard what i was i deeply fell in love with was that this shaman has these rituals and these songs and this has been going on for decades and and this shaman has had the ability which is just natural from the perspective he comes from it's it's what you're speaking to you to um but it seems strange to my perspective, which is that he these rituals never pointed anybody to believing something specific. These songs never encouraged everybody in the room to think the same thing, and everybody in that room had a different experience. And I'm I don't um, what I so I found it deeply spiritual. I found it deeply refreshing and the spiritual experience I had, I knew I wasn't having the same experience other people in that room were having. And yet I also knew it in the same moment that the spiritual experience they were having was just as valid and beautiful as the one that I was having. And until organized religion and it never will. You and I both know this. This will just go to the end of time, this battle. But until organized religion can provide a space where people feel encouraged to like have some uniqueness and, and individuality to their religious walk and not feel shame for not towing a line, man, it just feels like we're so deeply missing not only the boat, but missing such a beautiful opportunity.
2: Amen, Bill.
1: Don't miss the boat. That's what I say. <laughs> Get on the boat. Get on the boat. Get on the ship. You've had an experience with mystery of your own. And mm. the question really is, for you and, and anybody else like that, is what are you going to do about that? Because the, the the pushback has its place, and the, the intellectual discourse has its place, but don't let it take all your energy. Don't let it take the place of... You've had a taste of mystery and, and what are you going to do about it? And I'm not trying to be too pointed towards you, but I mean that, you know, for, for all of us who are human and have this human condition where we, we want the understanding, we want our questions answered and, and we don't, we don't even know because no place really in our culture is teaching us what is it to find your relationship to God. What is it to find your relationship? How do you relate to it? How do you keep that alive? What keeps it alive? How how would I hunt that feeling? How would I hunt? I'm not hunting the mystery so that I can explain the mystery because I've learned there there's no way. There's no way. So so the explaining it and intellectualizing it, it's not about that. It's about how do I how do i build a room that's big enough to host my my connection the songs that come forth the movement that comes forth the the deepening sense of connection and knowing that you've connected in a way that something can can guide me that is bigger than me because i went for mm-hmm. years on different spiritual paths not really knowing until mystery hit me over the head I didn't really know that there there is something bigger it doesn't matter whether you call it God or walk on Kanka or all, any of the names that have been used around the world it doesn't matter the name it matters there is something bigger than us there is something that knows a lot more about what's good for me and what direction I should go in my life than what I can know with my you know, human brain.
2: So I, I teased you a little bit, Bill, on on one of your posts recently about I, I think the title was "Creating God."
0: That NPR.
2: <laughs> you remember that that little NPR? Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Creating I, I, God. And, I, and
0: regardless of what you say, pro or con for I just want to say like I find that a beautiful episode because it it helps us see why we as humans create stories and myths and rituals and yet once you take the 20,000 foot view and see that all religions have done this you can shed you can shed the labels and the terms and the definitions and you can say like what is the commonality mm-hmm. of what is happening in each of these and there's the level where some bigger truth is laying at
2: and 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 this is and this is what happens uh, we have this original experience whether it's the first vision in 1820 or a personal experience in a meditation class, or or uh, or, or maybe a, a spouse leaves you and you're you're left broken, hearted, mm-hmm. um, on your knees with tears, crying to the unknown God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether that happens. You know eventually, eventually, we have to get so small that, like my teachers like to say, our teachers. Um, Are we going to put God in our pocket like like New Age spirituality often does? Or are we going to get small enough to get inside God's heart locket? Um, That's, I think, the difference sometimes between. um, And that's what our teachers pointed us. I mean, I I would be the first to say I got off track. I, I, I didn't let go of the relationship with 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 Jesus, but. I got off track. I, I studied and delved into a lot of different things that uh, kind of like a spiritual car- carnival. You know, it a lot of different things. And there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. <laughs> and um, it was our teachers that lovingly brought us back um, to the main line. And we literally had to get rid of how many books did we get rid of? We got we got you would have you would have loved we probably got rid of over a hundred books that, that we were we were studying and, and so forth and and we just came back to the main line and and the main line involves and, and this is this is where the listeners can really you know I see it out there I I honestly have a, a, a love for you know the the excluded um, I wept with sam young's excommunication i wept with kate kelly's excommunication and and yes uh, and and john's too um i think the church could do things differently um in including them in into a relationship where we take all the words we take all the discussions and we take that context and take it to the bigger room the big holy the the We take it to mystery and we surrender it to God and and we shake things up and and see what happens with that relationship. And I'm I'm just indicating and I'm agreeing that there is room for this trickster in our minds to. But 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 it has to change and we have to be small enough to actually finally admit we don't know. And it is confusing it is convoluted, and the narrative is <laughs> going to need to change. I, I call it slippery, if you will. But ultimately, we just have to take it and surrender it to the biggest holy, uh, which we call God. And um, and in doing so, the, the, the context expands instead of shrinks. And um, there, is, there is a way to do that. And I... I, I feel very strongly about this. That oftentimes we aren't taught the mechanics of the first principles of the gospel, faith and repentance, and and receiving the Spirit. We're, we're it's it's words. We're not necessarily taught how, um, or we're dragged, or or our repentance process is dragged on for a year. I mean, when the Spirit comes on you, you will mourn naturally. You will mourn. We mourn. I I mourned for two years because I felt like I had gone off track. And when our teachers brought us back to the main line, I did. I mourned for two years and um, and finally came and found myself again. And 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 when I and and I didn't stop going to church. But when I when I finally came to myself, the the relationship was so much sweeter with my with my fellow Latter-day Saints. Um, My my relationship with everyone was sweeter. Uh, I didn't feel like uh, I was posturing as much and knowing it all, and although that's a <laughs> sometimes a, a problem that I have. Um,
0: yeah, that, that certainly feeds our egos does, when, and I, we, it, when we raise our hand and correct it, something in the room. And...
1: I want to add to what Troy's saying, just because he's talking uh, about he went off track, and, and I would say there's definitely a big chunk of time where I was off track, and what I what I think we both kind of mean by that is there's a lot of things available in the spiritual marketplace Um, let's say that are they've got these really feel good names like spiritual empowerment and so forth and um, you know personal power and things and a lot of that is off track too because it's more focused on me 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 it's not as focused on how can I be in relationship with the divine will And it's, you know, prayer. I have a very active prayer life. Prayer is part of what builds that. But something that Troy and I have been really, really fortunate in is to have spiritual mentors who themselves have a strong relationship, or like the Bushmen would call it, a rope to God. They, that they have developed throughout their lives by, by opening themselves up to it and then surrendering to be led by God time and time again, whether it was something they could intellectually understand or not. And there's a a ripening and a seasoning that takes place. So they, for us, are the kind of spiritual elders that we rarely ever find in any tradition in our culture. It's it's beautiful if you find it in any culture anymore around the world. And again, there, there are um, indigenous cultures and different cultures who still have it. Um, without that, without a spiritual elder who actually is spiritually cooked and has a vibrant relationship with spirit to be able to have the discernment to help somebody who's fumbling along um it it's very hard to not get caught up in just all of the feel-good things that are out there and i would say that what i pursued for a lot of years was a lot of feel-good stuff um yoga which you know i've been teaching yoga for 25 years so i'm really deeply into that and and i'm not saying anything bad about it but you can use it as a real, true spiritual path, but you can also, like, like any path, get caught up in the personal empowerment part of it, which is not the same as surrender to divinity. And so this path that we're talking about, again, I'll just say we've been really blessed to have spiritual elders mm-hmm. who are the real deal, who have been able to be pointers mm-hmm. to us and say, Get rid of all that spiritual mumbo-jumbo books that you have and different workshops and things that you've been going to that are taking up all of your bandwidth and get back on the ship. Get back on the good ship Zion and that that is going somewhere that you can't define because it is within the realm of spiritual mystery, but you know it when you feel it. And the seasoned teacher can almost smell it to help you know... You know, when you're at the crossroads, you're either going to stay on the straight line or you're going to turn toward all the worldly stuff and all the distractions that all of us, every single day we do it. Every single day I'm pulled into one distraction or another and then I have to get back on board the ship and get get back on the, you know, you can call it the straight and narrow or all the different metaphors that we use, but basically saying, am I going to hang on to that rope? Or am I going to, am I going to let all the other worldly distractions come in, intellectual distractions come in? Or am I going to, am I going to get on board and getting on board? You asked about my path earlier. Getting on board for me when I'm, when despite anything I might be going through in my life, when i find time to sing and praise god and thank god for for what i do have and even thank god for the the hard times everything starts to change even the hardest times i've gone through when i'm when i'm on my knees in prayer not really seeing what's going to how how things can be resolved when i turn that over it can be resolved it's not me that's resolving it but by turning it over By praying and singing and just saying, help me. I know that there is something bigger than me that can sort this out, that can handle this, that can bring the the healing or shine the light or what's needed. Um, That's what that's what my that's more what my practice looks like.
0: That's that's beautiful, and there's two things you said that bring up some things in me, and, and we'll start to kind of wrap up here and right. yeah. and head towards kind of a closing. Um, you mentioned that the the facilitators that you guys utilize that they're pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned the the Good Ship Zion. I want to speak on both of those. So when you, when you mention pointers, and they both tie into the same thing. Um, there's this Buddhist saying supposedly Buddha said it, Buddha himself said it. At this point, none of us know who said what. But there's this wisdom saying that I am a finger pointing to the moon. Don't look at me. Look at the moon. That's right. Say it. Right? And here's, so two things. One is that when you say, like, my facilitators, they're pointers. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of pointers. And And I think even as you said, like, hey, we had to step away from all these other spiritual programs we were in and spiritual things we were doing and get back to some of the basics. Like I hear that, but on some level, like for other people, each of those might be a pointer, right? And so each of us is this idea of this wisdom saying that the moon, the moon is whatever this truth that can't be said. And there are lots of fingers pointing at it. And as you point out, your facilitators or as other people obviously have access to other options, other facilitators, other books, other programs, those are all pointers. But the moment any of them say, even say, I'm not the finger, I'm the moon, then you can know immediately that something's not right. This isn't this isn't. Uh, this isn't approaching the yes, truth. Sir. This isn't approaching Yes, it. sir, that's yep, right. Say it. Right. So, again, as you mentioned the good ship Zion, as a Mormon, what I've been told is that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the good ship Zion. Stay on the boat. Don't get off the boat. And the trouble here for the listeners as they need to hear this is that Mormonism tells you it's the moon. It tells you, it doesn't say we're a finger pointing to the moon and go look at the moon. It says we're the moon and don't, don't dare look away from us. Um, again, the moment the finger claims to be it, it has missed the mark. And so, Troy, I want to, I want to ask you, because I want you to speak to this. And again, even in this conversation, I hope you and I sense to be in the tribe, we are are not permitted to be fully vulnerable and authentic in choosing our words, right? Like we have to couch things a certain way. And I probably have already crossed the line in this conversation and you, and you have stayed on the safe side of that line and we're intentionally, right? Like I'm like, and again, I don't mean this as any offense towards you. This isn't good or bad, but you choose To frame things in a way that allows the authorities of our tribe to see you as safe, even if you're speaking to something that makes them deeply uncomfortable. (laughs) And I, on the other hand, um, am, uh, I guess, at a point in my life where I'm taking the risk, knowing what the consequences are, of saying maybe a little closer... But even even on even on the wrong side of the line, and I'm, I'm, there's no right or wrong again, but on the unsafe side of the line, according to my tribe, I'm still couching my words. I'm still hesitating. I'm still looking to choose my words carefully because I don't want to go full AWOL, right? Um, Mo- Mormonism makes it difficult for you and I to walk around the edges of this it, this truth without also in the back of our head fearing the consequences that could take place. So I say this question knowing that we have to be careful, but I want you to speak for a moment to the idea that I'm guessing you don't see Mormonism as the only true and living church upon the earth with which God is well-pleased Rather, you see Mormonism as a a useful tool, and, and, and a useful tool not just because of the inspiration you find within Mormonism, but also within the pushback and barricade that it is to real spirituality, that you sense that even that pushback is useful. Could you speak for a moment to Mormonism as a tool for real spirituality Rather than being the moon itself,
2: let's go beyond the moon. <laughs> let's expand the context of the finger looking or pointing to the moon, and look at the whole relationship of the finger pointing to the moon, pointing to a ineffable creator um, that is Mister mysterious. Um, when I yeah, it is, and I I get this question a lot because they see how I, I interact, and and it's I'm I'm usually a little more lively than than some of you know people. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a healer by trade, by profession, I'm a physical therapist, and um, you know I I'm around people all the time, so I I have to rely on. I, I'll just call it the rope to God, uh, the Holy Ghost, uh, to to really help me through the day, um, to help people through their issues. Um, so so when people see that I'm a little excited or, or I'm or I'm uh, my body is literally trembling because I'm in the feeling of a relationship with the Holy um, that they see that is, is quite unfamiliar with their, you know, close your, or, or fold your arms and be reverent and don't wiggle. Um, that is foreign to them. And um, so speaking to your question, uh, where do I see Mormonism? Um, as a tool, um, it, it is part of the whole, and we have to see it in a circular way. Um, if we see Mormonism as the whole We've missed the mark, as you say. If we see Mormonism as as a tool, as a part of the whole, and if and 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 I have I have I feel that I have used Mormonism as a way. I'm grateful. Uh, I've served a mission. I, I, I received a witness of, of, of Jesus Christ. I, I had other experiences that that uh, along the way, um, but. It wasn't something I read that suddenly f- suddenly gave me a relationship with the church that made the church feel smaller and, and the mystery feeling bigger. Um, and that, that didn't come about until I got smaller, until I got broken. And um, I'm still not broken enough. I, I'm surrendering every day. Um, it's because trickster gets gets a hold of you and, and, and the next thing you know, you're inflating yourself. But... Um, I think the church sometimes inflates itself, and I think uh, the perception out there is is that the the church is the the moral moral um, maker, uh, the moral rule maker, and and uh, you know I, I would like to see the church get uh, uh, more humble. I would have loved to see an apostle come and meet with Samuel. I would have loved that, you know, leave the 99 and go see the one. Um, I was praying for that. I just it would have changed everything. It would have changed the entire relationship. Now I'm not I'm not here to question their their methods um, or their inspiration. Um, I I will stay and and, and sustain that because um, we don't know the bigger ramifications. We don't know the bigger mystery of what's what's going to happen. Um, you know it's it's, it's it, I look back sometimes and I. You know, I see you as a catalyst. I I see you shaking things up, and in a way, you're you're a you're a word shaman. You know, <laughs> you're you're just shaking things up, and and some
0: people you're certainly not going <laughs> to lie and, and get away with it, right?
2: You know, and and because I have a disdain not nec- uh for for not necessarily disdain for words. I I like poetry and and, and song, but the one the, the words that that don't have the the feeling behind it, or the the, the authenticity, as you would say it, um, just don't ring true. It just, it feels, it it smells like stench. And, and, anyway, the relationship between Mormonism and the whole, and, and the finger and the moon, there is something bigger and beyond that. And by the grace of God, I broke through that, or God pulled me through it. And I remember the feeling of that happening, and and this was before the you know the all the big talks about faith crisis and everything else. And I I went through it, and um, you know it was maybe it was the year long series of dreams where the Bushmen would come and and talk to me and dance with me and sing <coughs> with me in my dreams, and I, I knew I was going to Africa, and um, it, it, it happened, and and um, you know it just so happened that. Um, a twenty-year marriage came to a came to a halt um, three days before I, I left Salt Lake City to go to the Kalahari, and um, mystery, mysterious things happened there. But it, it uh, I, I got a glimpse of the big, big mystery that is just full of love. It's it, it includes everyone, um, animals, trees, creation. <laughs> Um, black, white, yellow, red, doesn't matter. Um, it, it's such a big love that once you get immersed in it, you come out and that's what you want to do. You want to live in harmony with everyone. And then Trickster gets a hold of you and pretty soon things get dirty again. And I, I, I say that metaphorically, spiritually dirty, we get dirty. And then we have to come and and hand over that dirt, like Sherry beautifully said. Surrender it all, whether it's our words, whether it's our feelings, uh, you know, ill feelings, or uh, you know, that's how sickness entered the world. Is when when words and language started to um, unchange or or freeze the changing, and now we have form um, by in, by name, by name, by label, by story, by narrative. Um, those those kind of things need to change. So. My relationship with the church, I, I, I love I love the church, and um, when I teach gospel doctrine, um, I, I use that rope, that, that, that primary indication, to not go on to side routes, not go on, delve into the controversies or, or that, but I, I do. I, I, I like to keep things simple. Um, I, I like to say everything we, we learn, we learn in primary. We, we were wigglers in primary we, <laughs> we would sing in primary we had loving leaders that that just loved us back you know um, so you know those are the beautiful things of, of the church and and I, I I couldn't agree with you more though that there's there's some difficulty there's some challenges and I I, I know that our leaders are aware of it you know the suicides that, that take place the the faith crisis uh the, the leading of, of a relationship of, of Jesus um, and the, and the Holy Ghost it just uh, you know let's let's bring back the songs let's bring back the dance let's bring back the rhythms and and the movement and uh, I think that's really the spiritual engineering behind it and uh, go yeah let's you know a general conference let's stand up and clap. I mean, there's no, there, Bill, there's no call and response in the church at all. There's no call and response. How, how in the world, you know, that's why I said I felt like shouting in the church one, one day. You know, if, if someone says something that, that you agree with, why not say amen? Why not say, say it? You know, we do that in concerts. You know, we, we hold up our, our cell phones and, 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 and the whole crowd's going because because the performers are actually feeding on this. Okay? I mean, Coldplay was a spiritual experience for me. <laughs> you know? Um, because Because they're feeding on the crowd. It's circular. It's circular, but we don't have that in the church. There's no circularity. It's linear. We don't even clap after a song that makes you weep.
0: Obviously we're we're right on the verge of being out of time. I simply want to say that um you say I love Mormonism. I simply wanna say, and I, I think you would agree to this. Mormonism is one finger pointing among a billion other fingers and no more true. Oh, amen. No more true than the other billion fingers pointing. Yeah. Let's get it let's get a multiple colorful tapestry. And, and and again, I would sense too that even though you say like the leaders are aware of the issues, you would also admit the leaders are also probably part of the problem and probably not as aware of being part of the problem.
2: I'll let you say that.
0: <laughs> I just want to say to the two of you, Sherry, you added a dynamic to this that was beautiful. Um, Troy, I'm glad that you and I had this chance to have this conversation. You guys had pointed to some things. I'm hoping maybe you'll send me a list of some of the people that have meant the most to you, books, talks, whatever, we'll share those in the show notes, and I'm just glad that people have gotten a better feel for for you and your beautiful wife. Um, again, thank you so much for being on, but I'll let you go so you can get to work, my friend.
2: Hey, it was a great pleasure, Bill. Thank um, you. I hope we, uh, well, I, I have a feeling we'll meet someday, and then when we do, I, uh, I don't want to just shake your hand like-, like I hope you're a hugger. I I
0: I want to yeah I, I want to yeah, hug <laughs> and and I want to hear some of your experiences and I'll share with you more uh, more specific my shaman one <laughs> I would let's, love it I would it. love to hear it awesome <laughs> to hear it have an excellent day guys and this was a blast keep thanks. well okay take hey,
2: it easy thanks bye bye.